Abba Yahweh, again, you bless me, allowing me to share your truth, your word, knowledge and wisdom with anyone that would hear, but not just hear my words, listen to my words that are your truth, your knowledge and wisdom that come from you anyway. I am merely the conduit. They come from my mouth, but they come from you, Father God. You teach, you guide, you strengthen through the Holy Spirit. Father God, thank you for this blessing. Thank you for allowing this to take place. Thank you for this day, the breath of my lungs, this podcast that you gave to me, Father, that you made happen, that you are allowing me to continue this, to be about your work, Father God, to share your word. Thank you, Father. Abba Yahweh Aman, and he is praiseworthy. Let's remember, sharing with you that, that I use two different words. Sometimes I say amen, which means let it be or so be it. And aman, praiseworthy. God is praiseworthy. Jesus is praiseworthy. The Holy Spirit is praiseworthy. Abba Yahweh. Father God, Yeshua, Jesus, Parakletos, Holy Spirit, all praiseworthy. And speaking of that, I'm going to jump over here to Psalm 29. I'm going to share Psalm 29 with you because it's powerful. There is an excerpt that I found on my reading earlier this morning, but I want to share this with you because it is truth. And it goes right into what I would like to share what the Holy Spirit's been talking to me about. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord and the beauty of his holiness. He is praiseworthy. Amen. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of my, God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. If you notice the scriptures are make reference to that a lot in the building of the temples and and when uh, Jeremiah was given leave to return and help to rebuild Jericho, or, sorry, got the J's going. When Jeremiah was given leave and sent back to Jerusalem, cedars of Lebanon, they were the biggest, mightiest, you could get the most lumber out of a trunk of the cedar of Lebanon. They were powerful, strong trees. Grew tall and straight. So that's referenced a lot in the scriptures. He maketh them also to... The, he maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Serdon like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divided the flames of fire. 
the voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve and discovereth the forest. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. What David's talking about there is God is God. He has sovereignty over everything. Everything. And then, of course, you're going to have those naysayers and doom and gloomers. They're going to try to look to it and make something negative out that. Then why does God... Why does God do this? Why does God do that? How come he how come he floods this? How come he floods? Well, first of all, God doesn't make those things happen that have unfortunate circumstances, but the unfortunate circumstances come from the weakness of the minds of men and from the enemy. Everything destructive, everything that is there. And remember, Job went through some things. Ah, some pretty powerful things. God may allow some things to happen that are beyond our understanding for anything. But he doesn't make all that bad stuff happen. And then, of course, there will be those who will say, well, you know, if God's a God of love, then why does he allow that? Well, because ultimately, the better comes of it. In our adoption letter, in Romans, all things work together. All things work together. All things work together for good to them to love the Lord. Job loved the Lord. He never rebuked God. He never uh, walked away from God. He never renounced God's sovereignty and authority. And if you remember, I've shared the story of Job with you. And that Job lost everything. Every child he had in their home, he lost everything in his properties and things, his herds. He was raided by uh, warring neighboring tribes that came in and they stole everything that he had and burnt the barns and burnt his fields. And ran off with those that were staying with him and working. And only those that came and brought him that is he was having a dinner party. <laughs> he had guests there and he and his wife were sitting and having supper with them. And the messengers kept coming and bringing all this that could have and may have broken anyone else. And what did Job do? He did not renounce his God. He did not cry out to God. He didn't shake his fist at God. The only thing that God, the only thing that Job requested of God is to allow him to die because he lost everything. He asked God to allow him to die. He didn't renounce God. He didn't shake his fist at God. He just said, I have nothing left. Everything's taken from me. Just... Let me die, bring me home. Which would have had him in a better place, but he never did. All he did is he went out and his customary, they went out and uh, 
he put himself down in the and covered his head in ash. But brothers and sisters, you remember when Nathaniel was sitting under the fig tree all alone? He thought he was alone. And he was crying out to God because he thought that God had left him. And he took ash because he burned papers and he took the ash and sprinkled over his head and he was sitting there so forlorn. And then when he met Jesus, when he met Jesus, and Jesus said, Ah, a true Israelite who always speaks the truth, speaks his mind, speaks the truth. Nathaniel was somewhat set back because he thought that he and Philip were talking about him. But the reality is that God saw him. Jesus saw him. When Nathaniel was crying out to God underneath the fig tree, and then God, then the Lord, God, only begotten Son, who is part one and parcel of, of God, and Jesus tells us that. He said, I saw you when you were sitting alone under the fig tree. Nathaniel knew then. He knew who Jesus is, and he knew where he came from. Jesus spoke truth, honestly and openly with everyone all the time. But as he spoke to the Sanhedrin, and they were so offended by what he had to say, and that, that's the thing that we have to understand, is it's not worth getting into any kind of an argument or confrontation with anyone that walks on this plane of existence. It's absolutely not worth it. They might not like what you say, how you say it, how you dress, how you look. It doesn't matter. Your validation doesn't come from them. If you are a true believer, a true Christian, a true follower of the word of God, his validation is the only thing that matters. Satan will like to use all these other things to get you agitated and rattled and upset about things, but you know what? It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You have to go beyond that. That's what, why you hear so many times and you will hear uh, teachers will share this and the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit will guide us and let us know the battles that we fight. And even those were not on our own and we're doing, he just says, okay, you're going to have some fiery darts coming. You need to make sure you have the shield of your faith ready. Make sure that you got your helmet of salvation pulled down tight. And he just kind of uh, dresses us, make sure that we're ready to go into the battle. And he goes, okay, this one's going to be kind of tough. Hang on tight. Here we go. And that's just the way it is. The Holy Spirit is the one who's leading and guiding. And should be. We should not be the ones trying to figure all this stuff out. See, I get in trouble when I try to figure things out on my own. 
and the enemy loves to get us agitated and upset and rattled. But we also have to remember too, that as Jesus talked about the father being the husbandman, and he's the vine, and we have to stay attached to that in order for that. But <clears throat> understand this and know this. I'm going to share a few things with you that may be enlightening, and I might have shared with you sometime in the past. But what is a husbandman? That's just like a vintner. A lot of people give credit to individuals that own wineries or they own a vineyard. Well, that doesn't make him a vintner. That doesn't make him a husbandman. That doesn't make him a true grower. That just means that they own the property and somebody's taking care of the vines for them. And you have individuals that like to call themselves things that they are not. God calls himself exactly what he is. Jesus calls God exactly what he is. Jesus calls himself exactly what he is. And Paul, whom I thought was at first when I was younger and not walking with God as I thought, I, it was on me. I used to think that Paul was arrogant, but Paul is not arrogant at all. He is bold, he is upright and courageous, and he always speaks the truth, and he always speaks to the glory of God and the righteousness through Jesus Christ, his Lord. Everything he does. He says, well, here, you can use me as an example. As I have done, as I know, and as I, as I know, Paul doesn't talk about what he heard from so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. He talks about what he knows. This is what we are to do when we evangelize and we share the truth. And I will remind you, there is no scripture anywhere that tells us that we need to have some kind of a special little certificate in order to share the truth. My certification comes from heaven sent university. My Lord, my God gives me validation. That's all I need. But when you go to share, now you may need some guidance from an elder or someone that is with you to go so that you share truth. Don't share what you think you know or what you may have heard. Share what you know. And this is where a lot of people get shaken up and they get all nervous and say, share what you know. What is the truth that happened in your relationship? How did Jesus change your walk? How did Jesus change your life? How did the Holy Spirit come in and guide you to this? Share what you know. There's no rule that says you can't do that. The only rule there is, is that you do that thing that you know to be true. Jesus always talks about truth, knowing the truth. Jesus is a truth. The truth, the way, the life and the light, all those things that are true, he shares. Sometimes individuals, they don't like truth because they find it offensive. Why is it offensive? Because you prefer to be lied to. And truth 
can sting a little bit because they're so used to having lies being told that when someone tells them the truth, they get agitated. But brothers and sisters, truth is power. Truth is truth. And we are told to share that always. So I had a marker and I was looking for something else and exactly right here and speaking that, <laughs> that word again. John 8, I had a marker, but I was looking for something else that I had found. But right here, right here, right now, looking right at it, just looked right at it. And this is in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Well, actually, I'm going to back up a little bit because this whole... This whole section, they're, they're, this is, this is something that talks about the hearsay. And This is um, this is when he was actually confronted yet again by the the members of the Sanhedrin and their lawyers and all those folks that followed them around doing bad, nasty, mean things. So I'm going to actually go to uh, John chapter eight and verse twenty. And these words spake Jesus in the treasury, as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him for his hour was not yet come. Then Jesus said again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and ye shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he saith, Whither I go, ye cannot come. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above, and ye are of this world, and I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for ye believe not that I am he. Ye shall die in your sins. Then they said unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even he, even the same that I said unto you from the beginning, he's reminding them, all along he has said the same thing to them, the truth. He spoke the truth. From the first time that they called him in front of their little powwow, Jesus told them the same thing. Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. Further in verse 26, I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak the world, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Now this is 
an important reference here, and I'm going to go back to when Moses was uh, contriving that the bronze serpent. Remember, there was a point when they were wandering in the wilderness and they had turned their back on God and, and the serpents came in and they were just basically slithering all through the camp and biting people everywhere and they their many died. And God told them, he said, you make this bronze snake and you lift it up and when they lift up their eyes because they were busy trodden around on the ground they had their head down they were moping they were shaking their fists at, at heaven and god and they wouldn't even look at toward heaven and he said you lift this up and when they lift up their eyes and they look to see the serpent lifted up he didn't tell them that they were going to worship it he didn't make a false idol and this is joshua had a kind of a contention with moses about it and argued with him briefly and Moses just told him, he said, I follow what God told me to do. So he did this thing and he lifted it up. And they lifted up their heads and those that looked were saved and they were able to get rid of the vipers. And Jesus is making reference to that thing. He's going to be lifted up. He's going to be taken from the walk down here and they are going to put him on the cross and they are going to lift him up. Verse 28, Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father had taught me, I make these things. I speak these things. He was with God from the beginning. John told us that. God was with God. He was in God. He is with God. He is the truth. He is the word. And was made manifest and came down here to share the truth. The things that he and God spoke. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That is the point. Freedom in the truth. The truth of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. The truth. He doesn't just speak the truth because it's the right thing to do. He speaks the truth because he is the truth. He is the word. First chapter of John. Do we need to go back and review that? As it was in the beginning, the word was with God. But speaking about Jesus. We're going to jump over here to more truth. <clears throat> and as I alluded to a little earlier, those that have vineyards and property and they might own the, the vines and all that stuff, but they're not the winemakers. They're not the vintners. They get to put their name on the label. But if you've noticed real good winemakers... If you notice any labels, they always reference the vintner. They always make sure that they put that on there. 
Yeah, Vintner doesn't always have prominence in the labeling because they don't own the vineyard and they don't own the grapes, but they're the makers of the wine. And they are the true husbandmen of the vineyard, which Jesus referenced God as the husband. What does that mean? That means that he knows the vine. He knows what branches need to be trimmed. He knows what needs to be pruned off. And he knows these things. When I was doing uh, fruit trees and those things here, and you have to cut what's called sucker growth. A lot of people don't know this. When they see the trees growing and you see all these, they look like young trees that are coming out of the ground and growing up around the base of the tree and got leaves and all that on there. They think it's just part of the tree, but then they don't know that those should be cut away. Why is that? Because that is sucker growth. That is stealing nutrients from the tree. And when you go into the tree that you should trim back and that fruit trees need to have the air to come in through them. The breath of God needs to filter through. And you have to prune some of these rents so that it can reach and nutrition. God knows what needs to be trimmed away. He is the husbandman. He is the one, the caretaker of the vineyard. He is the caretaker of the vine. <clears throat> Let me point something else out here too. Has anyone out there ever seen a picture of a redwood or had the opportunity to walk through a redwood forest or been near around redwoods? And this is part of um, that when I was talking about the cedars of Lebanon, interesting trees. Redwoods are fascinating. You know that uh, oh, I was reading a very fascinating article on this. This uh, I don't even know what they call them. They have a special name for them. They specialize in the trees, but they're a, they're a um, not just a botanist, but Botany is one of the science disciplines that they study, but they specialize in this growth through these trees. And he was searching for the tallest. And you know that there's redwood trees out there that are almost as tall as the Empire State Building. I didn't know that. And he was talking about he had found one that had been rumors of this tree being 400 and some feet tall. And they had this special device because of the height, they couldn't go in with a special tape measure. So he helped design this special device. And what he does is he climbs the tree. He climbs this huge, massive tree with special equipment and they make an attachment to as close to the top of the tree as they can possibly get. And then they make a measurement from that point to where they attach this device. And then what they do is they attach this device and then they just drop it to the ground. And it slowly goes down to the point in the ground where the team collects it. And what it does, it meters the tree. It's measuring the tree. And they get it to the ground and then they add that few feet that they couldn't attach it to the top. So with their accurate measuring, they can gauge the height of the tree. 
which is fascinating in and of itself. But what I am, the point that I really want to make to clarify these things, why I bring those up, is if you've ever walked in that forest out there, the only time that you ever see a redwood that has any kind of sucker growth growing in and around the trunk and the base of the tree is when that tree is quite young. Very young. And then as the main trunk starts to grow and the nutrients are coming and it grows taller and taller and you go through the woods and you won't find sucker growth attached to any of this. And, and if there is any, it's only temporary. But it's not robbing the nutrients from the tree. The only nutrients that they're getting is that from the ground. And I find it fascinating that these trees grow so large, so straight, and so tall. And where does their nutrition and nourishment come from? More than 90% comes from above. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It comes from above, just like with the serpent and the viper. If they lifted their eyes up and they lifted their eyes heavenward, they're looking at that serpent, but they're not looking at the ground anymore. They're lifting up. They're lifting their eyes up, looking to what they should be looking toward anyway. But they were so used to looking down at the ground and shaking their fists at God and complaining and griping that wherever God took them, they had a complaint. Is this not what we do? The redwood forests are massively huge. You've got trees that are hundreds of years old, hundreds of years old, straight and tall. And their nutrition in those trees comes from above. It doesn't come from the ground. It comes from above. God tends his forests, these beautiful, powerful, tall trees. And the smell in a redwood forest, <clears throat> some people don't quite understand it and they have a dislike. I, I like it, but of course that comes from, I don't know, that comes from my native heritage, I guess, I don't know, but I like going out and smelling the trees and you smell that the leaves from some of the other trees, it comes down and it's that mix of Everything, you can smell the trees, you can smell these things that have come down and given up their life to put nutrients into the ground. I like going out in the wildness. I like being out there. And I like it because it's quiet and you can hear God all the time. If you lean your ears into spiritual hearing, he's constantly talking to me. I love that. And the devil doesn't want that. Oh no, the devil definitely does not want God talking to you and he does not want you talking to God. And he was festering the thought process in Nathaniel and Nathaniel was underneath the tree and Nathaniel had just lost 
he thought he'd lost, but Jesus told him, he said, hey, Nathaniel, let me enlighten you to some truth so you know who I am and you know what's going on. He said, I saw you when you were under the tree, when you were crying out to God to see you. You were crying because you thought that you were lost. You are crying because the devil was trying to convince you that you just lost everything and you have nothing. I saw you. I saw you sitting alone under the fig tree. I couldn't look away. Nathaniel, of course, immediately was weeping and told Jesus and confessed him to be master and rabbi. And then, of course, Jesus told me, said, well, you think that because I said I saw you, you come follow me and you will see much greater than this. You will see angels descending and ascending to heaven, to me and from me. You come with me and you open your spiritual eyes. You will see many, many things more wonderful. Important things that we do that thing that we know that God has things that he does. And as a caretaker for the vines, the vineyards and all those things out there, he knows what needs to be pruned. He knows the branches. And when you do, you have to prune in order that the nutrients come in and fatten the fruit. The nutrients go to the fruit. The devil wants that sucker growth. He wants us. And, and his minions come in and they attach and they try to take nutrients away from us. And he does this. And I'm going to share with you from James 4. 4. This is important. Holy Spirit, put my eye here. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is at enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth? to envy. What does that mean? Translation, I'm not gonna tell you that the word of God means something different or what God meant to say because he is using James and James wrote exactly what was meant to be said. We all have this problem that there are things that we have a desire the word lust. Some people get all offended by that word. Well, the Bible speaks the truth. You got a problem and you get offended with it. Then you better be on your knees praying to God. And yes, you take a prayer posture. If you get offended by the truth and the word of God and spoken by an apostle or disciple that is writing these truths down, and then you need to take a prayer posture or talk to God about it and get the Holy Spirit to clarify, here's the truth. 
that these desires that drive you and those things are at, they are envious. Why does James say it that way? Because you give more attention to those than you do to God because they envy that attention that you give to God and send it to them and paying attention to them. And the, the devil has those minions turn up that white noise. It's a white noise interference. He wants you to have your attention there rather than in God, focusing on God and on the truth. And that's why he says, do you think that the scripture saith in vain? You think that the that it's lying, that just making up words? The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. We allow those things to drive and pay attention. We all have to pray over this, strengthen this. And Satan knows that these things, he knows these weaknesses we have, and he tries to drive them. He drives them because it draws attention and gets us to walk in down the dark stairs into that dark basement. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Claim the truth, the authority that is given by Jesus Christ, the truth, the way, the life and the light, because he came into this world to be that. The only begotten son of God came here for that purpose, to give us the opportunity to be adopted as heirs and joint heirs with him in the kingdom, the domain of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and our loved ones that are already there. We have been given the authority. I can share that with you again, but I'm gonna just give you Luke 10. Jesus tells us when they when those came back and it was a gentle rebuke that he gave to the 70 when they returned. And the gentle rebuke was reminding them that they not be caught up in all those things that they were doing and, and getting there because then it became it became a thing of vanity and that they were be and Jesus is trying to get them to be resistant to that. Be there be therefore thankful that your name is written in the book of life. Not that all these things that they were doing, because that's an easy way for them to be distracted, be called into it, because the devil likes to get that done. I guard myself against that when I'm sharing God's podcast. This podcast was given to me by God, and he has me doing this because he condones the fact that I can get out more words to more people at a farther distance. I've shared with you some of the countries that I got 
a couple personal messages from are telling me that it reaches a long way, more than I could ever do by taking my Bible and all my books and things with me, getting on a jet plane and traveling to all these places. Not that missions aren't needed, not that the mission field is, is not necessary. Oh no, it is. Just like, let me rebuke those that claim that God doesn't share the gifts of the Spirit anymore because we don't need them. That's a bunch of baloney. That is false doctrine. That's false teaching. And just like those that say, well, you don't have to go to the mission in the field anymore because you have computers and you have Wi-Fi and you have smartphones. Well, everybody didn't have those. Everybody didn't have that. There are places where the word needs to be carried to them. So all that untruth that the devil loves to get us tied up in, share the truth and only the truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, Father God. Luke 10, Jesus gave them that gentle rebuke so that they wouldn't get caught up in the untruth and get caught up in self-righteousness and pride. But he said that we have been given authority to step on the heads of serpents and on scorpions and to face down the power of the enemy himself so that he cannot harm us. That means that we can tell the devil just like Jesus told the devil. See, the devil appeared to Jesus when he was fasting, weakened, state of mind, thought he was gonna have an easy time and go out there. I've heard some other people say some things different perspective, but here's the thing. Jesus laid a booby trap. He said, okay, Satan doesn't know what I know. Satan can't know what I know because he's a liar and I'm the truth. I'm going to set a trap. I'm going to let him think that I'm weak from this fasting, but this is to... This is to empty all the things that came when I came here. So I'm gonna let him think that he's got me and come in there and what happened? Oh, Satan went running. Three times, three parries of the sword. When Jesus reached into the Lagos, pulled out Rima. Lagos being the armory and he reached in there and he grabbed the new sword to swing away when Satan came and tried to get him and tempt him. And Jesus said, thus saith the word of God, it is written by God, the truth says in the word from God. Here, take that. And then Satan threw down the sword and he ran away. He ran away. He f was fleeing from the truth. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When you speak truth, you claim that authority that Jesus gave. That we have. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Can't go in two different directions. Can't go in two different directions. Remember, Jesus, re Jesus reminds us of this in the book of Revelations when he talks about the double-minded and talking about just being lukewarm. And what did he say? I will spew you out of my mouth. So you either have drink iced tea, but you don't have 
tea prepared to be warm and then it cools down and it gets a funny taste and you don't like it. So you gotta micro zap it, warm it up. Iced coffee is one thing. It gets kind of tepid and it loses certain oak <laughs> and you don't want to drink it. And you take a sip and it tastes nasty. And what do you do? You find the nearest sink and you spew it out. Wow. And Jesus had gave this to John while he was on the island of Patmos and said, here, you write to this church, Laodicea. You're lukewarm. I will spew you out. You don't speak truth. You don't speak righteousness. You speak only about yourselves and what you have done. This is what he was trying to guard the 70 from. Warning them, giving them attention to what they were doing amongst themselves. Oh man, and they were busy. I could just see, they were all, had these whole group of guys and walking down the street, they're very happy and joyful and, and all good. And they're patting each other on the back and da, 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 da. Man, did you see that? And that one over there. Well, see what happens when you do that? You know, we had this really great outreach thing that we were doing. And... You have to be careful when you do that sort of thing. And you have to be mindful of the truth. Don't be busy patting each other on the back. Man, and when we did that, we did this, and we did that, and we did this. And I, I witnessed, I did this when I was working out there in my route, moving around. I could see a lot of these things, and they were busy doing all that. But the reality set in when they left and they didn't come back and just the trash and garbage that was left behind. So the truth and the reality is when you do that sort of thing and you get caught up in the revelry of everything that you've done, self-proclamation, self-adoration, and everything that we did, you get caught up in that thing. And what gets left behind is refuse, trash, garbage. And why is that? Because you got so caught up in what you all were doing, you totally forgot the truth. And you thought that it was so high and mighty and you forgot the truth. This is what Jesus was telling John. You write to these churches. He was giving them heedance. He was giving them warning. And John was sending these messages out. At that time, those were the seven main churches all around. That Saul, Paul. And there's the important thing again. I'm going to touch back on Paul again because, again, I didn't know of Paul. I didn't know the truth until I read more in the scriptures Study to show yourself approved. I don't know all there is, but I'm certain by the way God treats me and the Holy Spirit treats me and takes me through this Bible. See, I've got the electric device over here, but I've got my Bible open. I love the paper Bible. I've told you why. <laughs> I haven't done that thing in a long time. Maybe I'm going to just sit here at my desk quiet I'd take that Bible and close it around my face. And I feel, when I do that, I feel God's hands on my cheeks. 
and looking me in my eyes and saying I love you and smiling like my earthly parents would do if I fell down and I got hurt. And as a small child, they would cut my face in their hands and they would look at me and tell me, it's okay, it's okay, love you. And they would comfort me. God does this all the time. But we walk through life and we forget to do these things. This is why that time with God is an important aspect of our lives. And that's part of the first fruit I, I always, I try to make, sometimes I err and I miss that and I get up and start moving around. But that is the sacrifice of that time, that first fruit. I name the time of day before I get caught up in everything that goes on. I make sure to take the time to talk to God, worship God. You're in my prayers, am I going out, am I coming in every day for your strength, your uprightness, your boldness and courage? And the truth that I learned about Paul and seeking that, Paul was not arrogant. He was not boasting on himself. And this is, and he wrote about this too. Always be prayerful and minded and know that salvation comes from grace, not from your good works, lest you should boast. Why would he say that? Because when we get caught up in that, we become that, oh man, at a girl, look at Gwen. I saw what you did with those people there and you gave them that big old plate of food and that's so good. And they were so happy, they were smiling and all that stuff. And yeah, and then you walk away and you forget. You don't offer them the important thing to go with it. You don't pray over them. You just hand them a plate of food and walk away. And then what is left when you leave and you don't come back to tend to the truth, there's heaps of garbage, heaps of trash. I've seen it, I've witnessed it. Not to try to detract, I mean, they're feeding them. That's, it's a good thing, but they don't give them the new, real nutrition that they need. They bring them food. That's a worldly necessity. But are they sharing the word? I'm hoping and I'm praying that there are some amongst the groups that do that. That's an important part. And the truth that I learned about Paul is that nothing he spoke of was about himself. None of what he did was about vain glory. I'm going to jump over here to First Peter. This is important. First Peter 3, 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. Knowing that ye are thereunto called, ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they may speak no guile. Don't lie. And we have that going on all around us all the time, things that are happening and Really, what, what's really sad about this 
is that people prefer to be lied to. Absolutely. Holy Spirit just brought me over here. The first letter of John, chapter three. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he sees us. And every man that hath his hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. That is the hope that we have. And so many naysayers and seers of all the darkness and the doom and gloom, that's unfortunate because they see the things that are going on that Jesus himself told us would happen. The truth. This is a dark and broken place. There is nowhere in the Bible that tells us that once you become saved and once you become a true believer, see, there's, a, there's the important thing that you have to be wary of is don't be a label head and a self-proclaimed Christian. If you're going to accept that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, that you do so in truth and wholeness and that you follow and have faith in God and allow the Holy Spirit to guide your steps. This is important. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God promises you a rose garden. I think that's an old Beatles tune. Can't recall. But he did promise that everywhere that we step, everywhere that we walk, everywhere that we travel, whether it's on a high mountaintop and we're happy because of a christening, a birth of a child or a grandchild or that our child just graduated college, we're happy, happy, joy, joy. Or if we're down in a deep, dark valley because we have a loved one that passed has now gone to heaven, my oldest brother, I prayed for one or two things. God's will was that he go home. And that's okay because God still performed a miracle. If you knew my older, my oldest brother and the things that went on and that he gave himself to the Lord and that he did indeed and he is and will be in heaven. And the miracle is not only in that, but in that when he's now there and he's walking with my earthly mother and father who are also there and that he is healed. He's a younger man. He's looking like he did when he used to be the surf guy, younger, stronger, no more pain, no more agony, no more teeter-tottering on that walker. Walker didn't get buried with him. He wasn't going to have any need for it. Why did he need to take the walker with him? Because everything about his life was made whole. And here's something that I think about and what says that it's not possible, that he's a surfer, that he's on the most beautiful ocean on the longest wave set that could ever be thought of. 
and he's just going. On the shore of that crystal sea, oh my goodness. And some people would be offended on my sharing that and say, oh, that's offensive, that's blasphemous. Why is it blasphemy? That God is not capable of doing everything and he knows that surfing was an enjoyment of my brothers and that he loves my brother and that he would say, oh, yeah, we can do that. It's not gonna hurt anything. Not gonna hurt anything at all. Here, we happen to have a surfboard over here just for you. There's nothing that says that it can, that God can, God is, that's the thing that many people don't understand. God is unfathomable. You can't measure God. You can't measure his kindness, his love, his grace, his mercy. You can't measure it. And what does the Bible tell us about those things? Those that love God, he will open the doors of heaven and pour out a blessing on us. Where am I going here? Okay, I'm going, I got a specific place for this. This is in the book of Malachi. And there's a lot of people that miss Malachi because he's been called a lesser prophet. Malachi 3.10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that they may be meet in mine house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open ye the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Well, people hear that and we're, there are a few that have read that. Oh, here we go about that tithe and stuff again. Remember this, the tithes are not just monetary. There are some people that don't have anything. They don't have money to offer to God. But what you do have is you have time. You offer that sacrifice. You take your time. The first thing before you start the day, you make time to have time and you talk to God. Never forget this, that God makes time to listen to those that take time to pray and talk with him. God makes time for you. God is a good, good father and he loves us. He loves us. And it's an important thing. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize I had done this. Here we go. And we're in the book of Revelation 7. 14, John is talking to one of the elders. He's asking about those that were in the way. And I said unto him, sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of of the Lamb. Again, truth. Brothers and sisters, he was bruised for what we did. He paid the debt that we had no money to pay for. Be blessed, you're in my prayers. How am I going out? Am I coming in?